Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. Open your Bible. We're going to read Acts 2.14. Let's stand and read this together, then we'll all sit down. Stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2.14. Thank you, Psalmist, behind us. Bless you. Appreciate your ministry today. Amen? Come on, somebody get excited in here. It's way too quiet up in here. Hallelujah. Had a friend from Tanzania invite me to come back to Tanzania. I may, I may just have to move there to go hang out with people that, that are radical for God. Come on. I want to get around some radicals. Come on, who'll be radical with me for Jesus? I know I got some in here. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, if I had to sit in a church with a 55-minute service and it was quiet, I would like, oof. I'd rather be out in a fishing boat or a golf course. I don't even play golf, but I'd rather be out golfing than sitting in a, in a dead, quiet church. Honest to God, I would. I've, then my, my statement would be, why waste my time? See, that's why I'm not here to give information. I'm here to facilitate transformation. That's what preaching should be. Preaching's not a bunch of points and principles and learn this and balance your checkbook and, and blah, blah, blah. Preaching should be bring you to an encounter with Jesus Christ that radically tra- transforms your life. Amen? I can watch YouTube. There's a lot of couch Christians today, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody watching today, but let's be honest, there's people that could be gathering with the body, and they're watching church on TV, and I tell you, we've we become a couch, a couch Christian culture, and we've got to get past that. Because there's no power in sitting on your couch and watching church. None. You, you, you'll never sell me on that. Sorry. You'll never sell me on that. There is power when the church gathers. Communion is a meal. That Christians, and when we eat that meal together, there's power that comes. The Bible says when, they, when Jesus, when he rose, it's when they were eating together that the disciples' eyes were open. They were eating a meal together, and that's when they had the revelation that Jesus is alive. This is who Jesus is. There is power when we gather. There's power when we eat together. There's power. There, it's real. If it weren't important, why would the devil fight so hard against it? And I'm not going to give in to the devil of COVID from last two years. The, the fear that has gripped this nation. Come on. We, we got we to gotta kick the devil in the rear end. We got to kick fear to the curb. Is anybody here today? Come on. In the name of Jesus. Okay, Acts 2.14. I'm just going to read it. I'm going to jump around through Acts 2 today. I'm going to continue this series. And heads up, I'm going to preach this upper room blueprint until Pentecost Sunday. So get ready. We've got a few more weeks. We're just going to take a a thousand foot view of Pentecost and and what it means and and the whole enchilada. If you weren't here last week and didn't hear that message, I'd encourage you, encourage you to go to the 45 different places online that it's available and, uh, listen to it. Uh, you know, for me, that'd be podcast. And, uh, I would like mow my grass and put my earbuds in. That's when I like to listen to preaching. I don't listen to myself in case you're wondering, but I like to listen to other preachers. It's just a little weird listening to myself sometime. Um, but you know, get that going, listen to it because my goal is that everybody within the sound of my voice in this body and and beyond who listen online or whatever is baptized in the Holy spirit. I make no apologies about that. The scripture is very clear. Everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who has their heart given it should speak in tongues. 
should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That to me, that the more I've studied the word in the last couple years, even and beyond that, it's crystal clear. And to me, there's no debating it anymore. I come across people every once in a while. They want to debate, you know, Pentecost. They want to debate tongues. They want to debate all that. And I, you know, you know, I love you, man, but I really don't have time for that. Because to me, that's like debating the importance of oxygen in a human body. That, that's, so, that's so rudimentary. It's like I don't have time to waste trying to explain that to somebody. Not that I could explain it very well. I'd have to go get like Lacey or, or Jason. You guys help me explain this. But God wants each of us to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will beat that drum until we see people that are full of the Holy Ghost and just prophesying. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I want each of you to, to go after prophesying. That, that, that is something that is important in all of the bodies of Jesus, the body of Jesus Christ. I say bodies, the individual chapters that are located all over our country and all over our world. Of course, we are just one body, though. How many know that? Jesus is not coming back for a single, you know, group. He's coming back for those who belong to him. They'll be in many different churches, many different countries. The Bible says, I believe it's in Ephesians. The Lord knows those who are his. That's good news. Acts 2.14. But Peter stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice and he addressed them. You men of Judea. And all you who live in Jerusalem know this and listen carefully to what I say. In spite of what you think, these men are not drunk. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning. You'd have to be a pretty hardcore alcoholic to be drunk at nine in the morning, wouldn't you? You would, yeah. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour my spirit out on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I pray, God, that we would just go deeper in you today. God, I pray today would just be a, a, a segue into more of your presence in our lives, more of your glory. God, I pray for just a Holy Spirit encounter to, to greet every person in here. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would come down and kiss our souls today in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, the devil's going to distract people with their cell phones. God, they're going to have apps open. They're going to be trying to it, trying to be distracted. God, there'll be some that maybe feel like they, you know, they, oh, I got to go. But Lord, I pray that every demonic trick to try to get people off of what you are doing today and, and away from the spirit that you you have sent in this room to to reach people's heart. I pray God that they would be arrested by the power of your Holy Spirit today, and that we would all be transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Everyone say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to just dive right in here if we can this morning. Upper Upper room blueprint. We're talking about the power of Pentecost. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what church you see uh, driving down the road. It can be Methodist. It can be Catholic. It can be Lutheran. It can be Presbyterian. It can be Baptist. It can be Southern Baptist. It can be AME. It can be Assembly of God. It can be Apostolic uh, Church. It can be whatever kind of church. Every single church that believes Jesus Christ is man's only hope and salvation 
all have their roots in an upper room 2,000 years ago where there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind and the power of God descended to there was like flames on top of everyone's head and the glory of God came into the room and everyone present began to speak in other tongues. Every church, I don't care what they believe today, I don't care how far left or right they've moved, the reality is every single church must point back to that upper room and say, That is where we have our roots. That is where we began. Statistics tell us that right now there are over 650 million Christians on the planet who are Pentecostal. By year 2050, I heard recently, there's going to be over 1 billion Christians on the planet that are Pentecostal. At some point, there'll be a majority. They say there's 2.1 billion Christians on the planet. That's just an estimate. But the reality is we are quickly coming to the time and the date when the vast majority of the world's Christians will be Pentecostal. Pentecost is growing by leaps and bounds in places like Africa and South America, all over the planet. People are coming to Christ and they're coming to know the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Africa, I mentioned Tanzania a minute ago. It doesn't matter in many African nations whether you're Baptist, Methodist, they all believe in speaking in tongues. Most all of the denominations have been influenced by the power of Pentecost. So I want to tell you how far reaching this encounter is. I want to share with you three thoughts today from this upper room blueprint that the Lord has given us. I read this passage to you to start with to show you immediately what Pentecost means. Because the men that were gathered in Jerusalem were immediately making false accusations. Right? These men are drunk. There's something wrong here. These men don't don't know what they're talking about. They're full of wine, right? Immediately, when the Apostle Peter stood up, he did something very specific, didn't he? This is the type of blueprints I want to look at. And this is what I want you to see. That Pentecost refutes what is false while it points to the truth. There is a prophetic edge to Pentecost. There is a prophetic edge that we desperately need in the church today. And for much, much, much of the church, we have lost it. Amen, Pastor Eric. For decades, we were entertained by a man who we thought was a great apologist. Spoke in churches. Come on, I'm just being real today. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Famous. I don't want to say his names. I I don't want to bring glory to, to the enemy. Spoke in conferences. And the whole while he was doing this, he had this secret life going on with multiple, multiple women. Say, so where's the prophetic part coming that? Well, where, where was the prophet to call that out? I have a friend who graduated from ORU eight years ago with her doctorate. 
And this man spoke at their commencement. And she said, you know, to be honest with you, as I sat there, I sensed in the Holy Spirit that there was something wrong with this man. There was something unclean. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But something was not right. But you see, our problem in the church today, we have elevated so many people to celebrity status. I think there, there are people, and I'm not saying this was my friend, but I think we're, we're afraid sometimes to call things out. Because, man, they have so many followers on Facebook and they, you know, they're so famous and they've written all these books and they've got all this going on. And, and I, think, I, I think there's this, this element that we become so enthralled with celebrity preachers. And I'm not here to, uh, well, I sort of am, I guess, but it, we've, we've got to come against this celebrity preacher garbage. I spent a little time on this last Sunday, so I don't want to. I don't want to go much further on this, but I just want to say there is a. That is what Pentecost does. Pentecost is a refutation of what is false, while it's pointing to what is true. And this is immediately what Peter does, because you see, listen, in our culture, I understand there's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of people that don't want to call out, say, abortion as sin. They don't want to talk about things that that's wrong, right? They're like, well, we just won't talk about that. There's there's topics. Believe me, I know I travel in circles of pastors. There's things that pastors won't talk about because they don't want to be controversial. Because after what we've gone through the past two years, we'll have even more empty seats if we preach the truth. But Pentecost, by its nature will stand and refute what is false and what is a lie while it points to the truth. Peter stood, immediately said, men of Judea and Jerusalem, I want to tell you, number one, these men are not drunk like I just heard you saying. But rather, here is what is going on. They have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as prophesied by the prophet Joel. This should be no surprise because Jesus said one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit when he comes is going. He said this in John 14 and John 16, that the Holy Spirit would do what? Lead us to truth. He is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us to truth. And when we, listen, when all of us go off a track or go off a rail, if you've got Jesus inside, there is something inside of you that's like, whoa, that's wrong. You got to get out of that. You got a U-turn. You got, and if we continue, we do that because we're ignoring that call of the Holy Spirit. The danger is there comes a point when you harden your heart where you no longer feel convicted for stuff you're doing. That is a dangerous spot. But Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you to truth. So here we go. Here's the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. And when, when they were saying, oh, they're drunk. Don't listen to them. Peter stood up and said, they are not drunk. As you have supposed. I want you to understand that Pentecost, Pentecost functions as a refutation of what's false in our culture. I can't think of a more powerful message. I, I could spend an hour on false narratives right now. That's, that's a popular word today we hear. It's a narrative. Someone's narrative. Even that word implies it's not really true. 
Right? They've got some ideas today. If, if you disagree with someone, uh, they, they will say you're, you're, you're giving fake news. No, I just disagree with you. If you disagree with someone, they call you names. I heard people saying, well, if you're against abortion, you're a racist. What a lie from the pit of hell. What a lie from the pit of hell. But that's our culture today. If you disagree with me, then you're a liar. You're a racist. You're an idiot. You're a homophobe. Zenova, all the phobes, all the words that they got to describe that. We are in a culture, we are in a time when truth is rare. The psalmist said it this way, truth has fallen in the streets. It's true. Truth has fallen in the streets. And here's Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what he's correcting. These men aren't drunk. The narrative was they were drunk. He said, Jesus who died, you killed him. What was the narrative? Roman and Jewish leaders put him to death. But Peter here was making it personal. He was pointing out the fact that our sin, your sin, put him on the cross. Peter corrected something else. He said he was dead, but he was resurrected. What was the narrative of that day and that time? The disciples came and stole his body. And in Peter's sermon here, if you continue to read, he he comes to these narratives and he corrects them. He says, no, no, no. Jesus, you think he was killed by the Romans? No, you put him there. These men that you thought were drunk, maybe you can turn me down just a little bit in this microphone. These men that you thought were were drunk, no, they're not drunk. This Jesus that you think we stole his body, no, he was resurrected. Pentecost refutes what is false. Because John 16, 13 and 14, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will hear what he he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who imparts a hunger for truth. It is futile to administer truth to an unwilling soul. False teaching will always abound when there is not a hunger for truth that the Holy Spirit awakens. This is why, church, hear me, we have got to get full of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we will lack a hunger for truth that will drive us to be able to receive truth from the Lord. Does that make sense? I like what Mario Morello says. He he says we have two extremes in the church today. We have those who believe in nothing and those who believe in everything. We have those who know nothing of what the Bible says and those who believe anything anyone will say about the Bible. Both are products of a lack of discernment and a lack of power. And it's only after you've experienced the real presence and power of God that you can recognize a counterfeit. Revealing truth is a function of the Holy Spirit's presence. In Acts 4, before the Apostle Peter, uh, uh, when the Apostle Peter was standing before the Sanhedrin court, the Bible says in Acts 4 that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in in, in verse uh, 8 in chapter 4. And the Bible says that the court, they were blown away by what he said and how he said it. They recognized that the Holy Spirit was working in him. 
See, there's something powerful, my friends, about Pentecost. It was so powerful. Jesus said, listen, I don't want you to plant churches. I don't want you to go preach. I don't want you to go witness to your neighbor. I want you to Acts 1-4. I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you receive this promise from the Father. That's how important this was. I don't want any churches built outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want any missionary trips outside of the Holy Spirit. I want you to camp there in Jerusalem until this promise of the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6, verse 15, that one of the first deacons named Stephen, because of the Holy Spirit inside of him, he looked like a heavenly messenger who spoke the truth. Stephen, he was preaching the gospel, and they did not want to hear it. I want to tell you, it's not always safe to preach the truth. In fact, you can pretty much summarize, sometimes the most hated person in America is the one who's speaking the truth. In fact, I like to listen to people that everyone hates in the church. I know I can name some names, and there's people that wrinkle their nose. If I told you a prophet or a pastor or a preacher, yeah. Not you guys. I'm talking about those other people. But I like to listen to what they say because sometimes those are the voices we really need to hear. You've heard me say this before, and you know, if if you know anything of church recent revival history in, in the past 100 years, you've heard the name Smith Wigglesworth. Everybody, I, I see people who aren't even Pentecostal quoting Smith Wigglesworth. They wouldn't have quoted them if they'd, have been, if they'd have been back in his time. The most controversial thing a church or pastor could have done was invite Smith Wigglesworth in to preach. You've heard me share those stories. It's just incredible. But what I want you to see here is that when the Holy Spirit speaks truth and when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, one of the functions of Pentecost is that we were filled with the spirit of truth and that we will be empowered to speak truth and we should speak truth. And we have to, we, it, it, listen, it, it may cost us everything. But that's okay. That's pretty much the point. You see, if our salvation didn't cost us something, what did you get? The Bible says Stephen just preached the word. They said they looked at him and he looked like an angel, had the face of an angel. It's fascinating to read that story. He gave him a very seeker-friendly message. Very, very friendly. He said, you stiff-necked heathen. You uncircumcised heathen. You killed the prophets today just like your fathers did before. The Bible says that those hearing the word, were, they, they don't want to hear the truth, right? They're screaming. They're triggered. Ah! Ah! They, they're triggered. Ah! We don't want to hear that. Uh, you're a hater. Uh, you're a liar. Uh. The Bible says they picked up stones and they stoned him to death. You see, that's the power of Pentecost. If we're going to reach this country now, today, 
We're going to have to be people that speak truth, not, 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 not politics. Understand me here. I'm talking Holy Spirit truth. Holy Spirit truth. My friend John Burton says it this way, if we try to have a revival without the holy part of the Holy Spirit, we're just going to have a bunch of people that want to come and feel the goosebumps in a service. We'll just call him the Spirit. And we'll catch the Spirit. Right? Sounds like a hockey team slogan or something. We're going to catch the Spirit. But if you want revival, we have to have the holy part of the Holy Spirit because the holy part convicts people of sin. It convicts people of their life. It says, you know what? I've got to give my life to Jesus and let him transform me. Secondly, upper room blueprint. Y'all with me? All right. Next, we see that Pentecost connects the dots for people. One of the number one questions we hear all the time, especially when we have like a a horrific event like yesterday, is why does this happen? Why do people do this? And you could change the faces, change the names, change the cities, and we still see the same demonic hate. We see the same, and people, why are people, what's going on? You see what an unregenerated nation fails to see, that we are desperately wicked. We are fallen. There is no good in us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is desperately wicked who can know it there there are the depths of evil inside of people and without the saving power of jesus christ it's going to be really hard to reform people in fact it's going to be impossible to reform people If you look in Acts chapter 2, verse 30 to 33, we see the Apostle Peter, he quoted Psalm 16. He quoted Psalm 110. These are the, if you say, where in the Old Testament was it talking about Jesus? Here we have it laid out on a platter for us right here. And, and this is what Peter said. He said, since David was a prophet, he was actually prophesying about Jesus. That was the connection that few would likely have made at that time, primarily because they had rejected Jesus as Messiah. And here was the message message, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God Almighty. And here's the connection. Let me connect the dots for you. So here's where Peter, his main two points were this. Jesus was resurrected from the dead and Jesus was exalted as God. He quoted the psalm where it said, I will not allow my holy one to see decay. And then it said, I had my Lord said to your Lord, sit at my right feet or sit at my right hand until it make your enemies your footstool. He was quoting these verses to point out two things that Jesus resurrected from the grave. He did not decay. And secondly, Jesus was exalted to God's right hand. You see, there is a plan and there is a structure that God has put into place. This is why the human race is powerless to save itself. We're really good at creating false narratives, right, in our culture. We have a myth of beginning. It's called evolution. We have a myth of ending now. It's called global warming. And we as a race ignore the truth of God as our creator and savior. We have people like Richard Dawkins who are supposed to be super intelligent, but he's an atheist, right? And he, he, he doesn't believe in God. But in the same breath, I've heard Richard Dawkins say this. We may come to find that aliens seeded life on this planet. 
It's like, wait, wait, you're not going to believe God created, but you're going to say aliens may have come down and seeded life, right? It sounds like a bad plot out of a movie, but it makes me realize they will do anything but recognize the fact that God created. They'll believe aliens came and seeded life. They'll believe all kinds of weird, crazy stuff, which there's no proof or evidence of either. And we, we think, man, how could they think that? It's because the Bible says their hearts are darkened with evil anything but believe in jesus because if jesus came if jesus is god that means i have to deal with me pentecost helps connect the dots for people it gives us the why for why we're here I heard clinical psychologist and general brainiac Jordan Peterson the other day. He proclaims this fact. He said the Christian worldview does the best job of explaining why we are here. So the apostle Peter stood to refute the false, proclaim the truth, and to connect the dots for the hearers. And he, he said, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. You may have thought this, but maybe you didn't know what it was this. David was a king and a prophet. He foretold what Jesus would do. He was going to be resurrected, and he was going to be exalted as mighty God. Pentecost empowers us to connect the dots in our culture of the power of God, what Jesus has done, and why it matters today. That's what Pentecost empowers us to do. Pentecost was the start of God building something incredible that he wants you and me to be a part of. We don't have to wait 10 days anymore. Pentecost already happened. We can receive instantly now. We don't have to wait around. Pentecost already happened. We can receive any time. And it's God that wants to put a fire inside of you. He wants to build you strong. And you say, well, why is this important? Because Pentecost reveals that God will accept nothing unless he builds it. That's why he said, verse 4, chapter 1, don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. What I love is Old Testament echoes in the New Testament. The day of Pentecost echoes something in the book of Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel. You may have heard of it in Genesis 11, I believe. The Bible says that men were trying to come together and they wanted to build something without God. They wanted to be greater than God. And this was obviously an expression of flesh because they said, let's take the bricks and let's take our tar and let's build a city with a tower that reaches to the heaven. Flesh always builds from the ground up. That's flesh. We're going to build this thing from the ground up and we're going to do it and it's going to be great. And people are going to come ask us how we did it. Does this sound familiar? I got this big vision and all I need to do is get some people around me to buy into it and we can really do some great stuff. See, we've got to be careful as what we sell is vision. Be careful as to what we follow is vision because listen, here's the, here's the difference. God builds from the top down. So here we have the day of Pentecost we're contrasting it with what happened in Genesis 11. God confused the languages to stop what flesh was trying to do. In Pentecost, God unified people with languages he sent at Pentecost. See the difference? 
There was a confusion of language because mankind was trying to exalt himself. Pentecost, God sent languages. And what did everybody hear? They're hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language. That's why we need the power of Pentecost more than ever. We need his... Are y'all here today? Finally, Pentecost brings the sense that urgent change is needed. Pentecost brings a sense of urgency for the hearer. Verse 40 in Acts 2, it says, With many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourself from this perverse generation. When it says he exhorted them, exhort means to strongly encourage or urge someone if there's one thing that we can learn from Pentecost, there, is an, there should be an urgency that we carry in our hearts for people to get right with God. There should be an urgency in our spirit. We should have that sense of urgency that we're on a timetable here, right? I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I know he's coming back soon, but here's what I know. No matter when Jesus comes back, all of us may have 70, 75, maybe 80 years on this planet if we are lucky. Therefore, we have a background clock that should be going in our heads that says, you know what? There's got to be a sense of urgency because time is short, either by nature or by the fact of Jesus's return. The time is short. And this is what Pentecost brought to bear. That's why we see today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get right. Now is the time to surrender. Now, why put it off any longer? Because delay is not from the Lord. I'm speaking of delay when, if, as far as getting right with Him, being surrendered to Him. There is this now quality to the message of salvation, to the message of the Gospel. I love what Isaiah 60.22, it says, The least of you will multiply into a thousand. The smallest of you will become a large nation. When the right time comes, I, the Lord, will quickly do this. There is something in God, when in His time, when He is dealing with people that are surrendering to Him, He is declaring, I can do this quickly. It's people that say, man, how is God going to ever... You know, how, it, 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 we've seen this a hundred times. We've seen, we've said this. We see God do in moments and seconds what counselors couldn't do in years. I've seen people healed of things that they went to doctors for a long time and they, they were on medication and couldn't get it straight and couldn't get it right. And Jesus heals them. There is this urgent sense of now. And in the Bible, delay is typically seen as negative, particularly when it comes to receiving the gospel or following Jesus, because delay indicates excuses. It indicates doubts. It indicates uncertainty. All of those things the devil try to throw in our way to keep us from surrendering fully to the Lord. That's why we see in the New Testament, Jesus often asks people if they want to be healed. And, and you really think about that. How, how strange is that? You see a man laying, he's crippled, he's been crippled for all his life. And Jesus said, do you want to be healed? You would think that would be a no-brainer, but it's not. There are a lot of people who are happy in their dysfunctions. 
They're happy in their sin. They're happy in their lifestyle. They're happy in their unbelief. So a brilliant question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be set free? I'm talking about spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And listen, here's the thing. God always gives you a choice. Some of you are sitting here in, in, in this service right now. You've, some of you have already made the choice. But even if you've chosen to believe in God, congratulations. That's one step. There's a lifetime of surrender. There's a lot of stuff that God wants to do with you. Now listen, you're welcome to stay stuck where you're at. A lot of people will, a lot of people do. But there's also a lot of people that will respond to the message. But if you're willing to risk it all and go all in with him, listen, there is healing, there is freedom, there is fullness, there is transformation available right now. The God that heals is still the God that heals today. The God that delivers is still the God that delivers today. Come on. I was listening to a, a Lutheran pastor on a podcast this past week while I was mowing the grass. And he was preaching on Pentecost. And I thought, you know, I would love to hear what a Lutheran pastor has to say. And this brother sounded like he was Pentecostal. He said, we need Pentecostal power in our church today. We need the glory of God to show up. We need all of the spiritual gifts. We need Pentecost to take over in our church. And I was thinking, wow, this is pretty amazing here. And this man was just going for it. It was just laying this out because people realize my friend listen if you are in this thing for any amount of time you realize you've got to have the power of God inside of you you have got to have more and God has the more he's the God of more right El Shaddai the God of more than enough he wants to touch you he wants to change you transform you heal you so my question to you my dear friends, that about 75% of you a few moments ago told me you wanted to go all in and be radical with me. I will take you at your word. My question is why wait? What are we waiting for? What time is more favorable than right now? What will be better? Tomorrow? Next week? Next year? When it's too late? Or now? Now. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We praise you, God. I'd like everyone to stand. In fact, I, I, if you could, I'd like everyone to make your way to the front today. I'll, I'll Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.